Welcome to Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza. I'm your host, Grace Offer. Today on World News, I'll be looking at different stories from America to Australia to the UK and so forth. I hope you've all had a wonderful week. Mirror News by Charlie Jones, 4th of August, 2023. James Philip Baines, 61, previously dropped all legal appeals for his execution and said he wanted to accept his punishment for killing nurse Patsy Miller, who was raped, bondroomed to that with a hammer then set on fire. A double motherer, Baines, was put to death for brutally killing a woman with a hammer after she humiliated him. He was pronounced dead at 615 at Florida State Prison in Stark, USA. He was convicted of the 1997 strangulation of his wife and killing another woman years earlier. The Florida Department of Corrections said Baines declined to request the meal. Fox News reports, under Florida law, inmates are allowed to request a last meal that must be purchased locally and cost no more than $40. He previously dropped all legal appeals and said he wanted to accept his punishment. Well, he has also admitted to killing two other people, but was never charged with those incidents. Baines was serving a life sentence for the 1997 strangulation of his wife, 44-year-old Linda Baines, when he wrote letters in 2005 to a state prosecutor claiming responsibility for the killing years earlier of Patricia Patsy Miller, a nurse who lived in a condominium, Melbourne, along Florida's east coast. He was the fifth person put to death in the state this year. Baines killed his wife in 1997 after she discovered that he was dealing drugs. Her body was found stuffed in the closet after she was strangled, caught record show. Baines had claimed to have killed at least two other people, but was never charged with those cases. He's been in and out of prison since his teenage years, including convictions for grand theft, forgery, burglary, and trafficking in stolen property. In the Miller case, state lawyers appointed to represent Baines filed initial appeals, including one that led to mental competency evaluations. Two doctors found that Baines had symptoms of personality disorder with borderline antisocial and psychopathic features. However, they pronounced him competent to understand his legal situation and pled guilty. And guilty, and his convictions and death sentence were upheld. After, after Governor Ron DeSantis signed his death warrant in June, a Brevard County judge granted Bain's motion to drop all appeals involving mitigating evidence such as his mental condition and said that he wanted to accept responsibility for his actions and to proceed to execution 
his death without any delay, court's record show. The Florida Supreme Court accepted the Braveheart County ruling, noting last week that no other motions seeking the stay of execution for Bain had been filed in state or federal court. Bain said he converted to Islam in prison and wanted to clear his conscience about the Miller case during the holy month of Ramadan. They say I'm remoteless. I'm not. There are no more questions on this case, and I'm going to be executed, Bain said. In a recent letter, the Florida Conference of Catholic Bishops asked DeSantis to grant a stay of execution and commute Bain's sentence to life in prison, even though Bain isn't seeking such relief. The Catholic Church opposes that the Catholic Church opposes the death penalty. Mr. Bain's willing. Mr. Bain's acceptance of death, the punishment put in place by the justice system, does not observe the state from bringing it about. Simply put, no one should be executed in a modern penal system, even if they willingly accept it, the letter said. What are your thoughts about this? Can you leave your comments? Thank you. BBC News by Nadine Yusuf. 4th of August, 2023. Kidnapped woman in Oregon escaped makeshift cell, says FBI. US authorities are searching for other possible victims in at least 10 states after a woman escaped a makeshift concrete block cell in Oregon. The woman reported that she had been kidnapped by a man posing as a police officer and was sexually assaulted before she managed to escape. Police have arrested 29-year-old Negasi Zuberi in connection to the assault. The suspect has lived in several states over the course of a decade, and police fear he may have assaulted others. We are fortunate that this brave woman escaped and alerted authorities, Special Agent Stephanie Shark with the FBI Portland Field Office said. They had linked him to additional sexual assaults in at least four states, according to the FBI. She reported that she had been approached by Mr. Zuberi on 15th July in Seattle for prostitution services. He was posing as an undercover police officer at the time, according to court records. The suspect then handcuffed the woman and drove her 450 miles away to Klamath Falls, where he lives. There, the woman said she was sexually assaulted and locked in a makeshift cell that Mr. Zuberi had constructed in his garage, made of concrete blocks and a metal door that could not be opened from the inside. Mr. Zuberi later left that day and she was able to break down the door and escape. The woman then flagged a passing motorist who called 911 and took her to the hospital. Police said they searched Mr. Zuberi's home and found the makeshift cell. They traced his whereabouts to Reno, Nevada, where police officers spotted him with his wife and children. He was arrested and taken into custody. Mr. Zuberi also went by the name Zakima, had lived in 10 states over the last 10 years, 
including in California, New York, and Florida. And the FBI believes there may be more victims. The Federal Police Agency has accused the Zuberi of targeting sex workers or roommates in those states, often spiking the drinks or pretending to be a police officer before assaulting them. They have appealed for any other possible victims to come forward. What are your thoughts about this? Kindly leave your comments. Thank you. Independent News, Tara Cobham, Saturday, 5th of August, 2023. A horrifying moment, woman fights a greening sex attacker who targeted six victims. Hanok Zerai, 32, targeted and sexually assaulted in Brighton City Center over the course of last year. This is the moment a woman bravely fought off a sex attacker as she repeatedly told him, please go away. She was one of the six lone women, Hanok Zerai, 32, targeted and sexually assaulted over the course of last year. She cannot be named for legal reasons, but the woman has agreed to the clip being shared. The footage taken on a mobile phone at a bus stop in October, the woman can be heard repeatedly telling Zerai to leave her alone as he persists in asking her where she is from. Next, he appears to lean in to try and hug her. Pulling away, she says, don't touch me. I don't like being touched. Then a struggle breaks out and a loud noise is heard as the woman screams. The woman reported the frightening encounter to Sussex police, who subsequently arrested Zerai. An investigation was launched after a woman reported being raped in the Old Stain in Brighton on 16th of April. Zerai was arrested the following day on suspicion of rape but was released under investigation while evidence was collected to pursue a charge. On the 22nd of May, two women reported being sexually assaulted on London Road and South Hover Street in the early hours of the morning. The South Hover Street victim was chased by a stranger, later identified as Zerai, but managed to escape by locking herself in her flat. Enquiries were underway to identify suspects when on 23rd of October, a third woman reported being sexually assaulted by a stranger in the city. He harassed her persistently, but she was the victim who managed to capture the sexual assault on the phone. Officers identified Zerai from the footage and he was arrested shortly after. He was charged with rape and three counts of sexual assault and, rem and remanded in custody. While remanded, Zerai was charged with three additional counts of sexual assault after three more women came forward to report being attacked. One on the 22nd of May on London Road, one in Gladstone Place on 19th of June and the third on the 23rd of October, five minutes before Zerai was filmed assaulting the woman who filmed him. Zero was sentenced to eight years and three months in prison with an extended license period of five years. 
What are your thoughts on this? Kindly leave your views. Thank you. Katie Wilson, 9th of August, 2023. Mirror News. A below deck down under star has been sacked from the Bravo show after getting into a drunken female's co-star's bed, naked without her consent. Luke Jones was given his matching orders over his inappropriate behavior as a drunken maggot sister tried to sleep in her bunk bed. He was filmed walking into her room with his boxer shorts on which he later removed as he tried to get her to come with him to the jacuzzi, to the jacuzzi. Producers were then forced to intervene after Luke climbed into Maggot's bed, fully naked. After telling them to F off, the producers hit back. We can't do that. She said no, she said no. Earlier on in the evening, Chief Stew, Alshel Scott, showed her concern for Maggot who had gone really drunk at dinner after downing shots and said, I just want to chaperone you a bit as the crew headed back on board the boat. On the way back in a taxi, Luke told Maggot, you should come and cuddle with me. She refused and told him, no, let's go. I just want to go to bed. Aisha then helped Maggot back to her cabin and went to get her a glass of water. Aisha told Maggot, I don't want any drunkenness to be taken advantage of, so I'd just like to see you get into bed safely. I'll get you water. I saw the way that Luke was looking at you, and I'm feeling very protective. Making her feeling about Luke very clear, Maggot then told Aisha, I am glad that you're here. I don't want to go in the jacuzzi. I want to go to bed. All I want is water and bed, no Luke. Was at this point, Luke crept back into a completely unconscious maggot's room and got into bed with her naked. Finally got out of the bed as the light came back on and after producers stepped in to warn him about consent. As Aisha came back to check on maggot, she realized what Luke had done and said to him, dude, what the F? Back in maggot's cabin, Aisha told her what had happened and said, so we had a power shortage. So Laura, another crew member, and I went to the crew mess. And I turned around and the producers were like, get out, get out. And then Luke runs out of here naked. Oh my God, ew, he was naked? A shocked Margaret responded, asked if she had consented to Luke being there. Margaret replied, no, I was asleep. I did not invite that at all. I didn't even know. Captain Jason asked if anything happened to which Aisha replied no and confirmed Margaret was safe. Asked where Luke was now. Aisha said she was so freaked out he locked himself in his room. After telling Luke to spend the night in the hotel, Captain Jason fired him the next day and gave the crew a talk about the importance of consent and boundaries and rules they must follow on board. He said, we had an incident last night 
And I want to stress that this is a place that we respect each other. Our cabin is our safety zone. The door is our boundary. That door is not to be opened unless it's consensual. To walk into someone else's room without consent, indecent is my limit. One fellow crew member, Laura Vickleston's reaction to the incident was that Luke wasn't to blame. She was fired too for showing little respect and empathy towards Margot. The mirror has reached out to Bravo for further comments on this story. Watch below deck down under on now TV. What are your thoughts about this? Kindly leave your comments. Thank you. BBC News. By Hanan Razek. Tenth of August, twenty twenty three. Investigating the spiritual healers sexually abusing women. A hidden world of sex abuse and exploitation by men working as spiritual healers has been uncovered by BBC Arabic. Spiritual healing, also known as Quranic healing, is a popular practice in the Arabia and Muslim world. It is mostly women who visit healers, believing that they can solve problems and cure illnesses by expelling evil spirits known as jinn. Testimonies gathered by BBC from 85 women over a period of more than a year named 65 so-called healers in Morocco and Sudan, two countries where such practices are particularly popular with accusations ranging from harassment to rape. The reporters spent months speaking to NGOs, courts, lawyers, and women, gathering and verifying stories of abuse. An undercover reporter who underwent treatment with one such healer for our investigation was herself inappropriately touched before fleeing the scene, before fleeing the scene. Dalal, not her real name, sought treatment for depression from a spiritual healer in a town near Casablanca a few years ago when she was in her mid-twenties. She says the healer told her the depression was caused by a gene lover who had possessed her. At a one-to-one -one session, he asked her to smell a scent he said was musk, but which she now believes to have been some kind of drug because she lost consciousness. Dal, who had never had any sexual experience before, says she woke up to find her underwear had been removed and realized she had been raped. She says she began screaming at the Raki, Iranic healer, asking him what he had done to her. 
I said, shame on you. Why did you do this to me? He said, to make the gene leave your body. She says, she didn't tell anyone what had happened as she was so ashamed and was sure she would be blamed. When she discovered a few weeks later that she was pregnant, she was terrified. She even thought about taking her own life. When she told the healer about the pregnancy, he replied that the gene must have impregnated her. Dalal says she was so traumatized by her experience that when her baby was born, she refused to look at her, hold her, or even give her a name and gave her up for adoption. She told us that if her family found out what had happened to her, they would kill her. Many of the women we spoke to said they feared they themselves would be blamed if they reported their abuse, and therefore very few had told their families, let alone the police. Some said they also worried that reporting what had happened might provoke the gene to take revenge on them. In Sudan, a woman named Sosan told us that when her husband left the family home to leave with a second wife, as is his right under Sharia law, that is Islamic law, she found herself destitute and approached a healer for help. She said he hoped he would give her some kind of medicine for her husband, which would make him treat her better. But she was not expecting his suggested treatment. He said he would have sex with me and use the resulting body fluids to concoct a portion I should feed to my husband. His recommendation suggested she was fearless, she said. He was confident I would not report him to the police or the courts or even my husband. So San says she left the session immediately and never returned. She did not report his behavior. Three of the 50 women we spoke to in Sudan about exploitation or abuse named the same religious leader, Sheikh Ibrahim. One of the women who we are not naming said he manipulated her into having sex with him. Another, Alfab, told us she had to push him off her when he asked to have sex with her. He said she felt powerless. People don't accept that sheikhs say and do these things. They don't believe it. How can I find weaknesses? No one saw me in the room with him. An undercover journalist working with her team agreed to visit Sheikh Ibrahim in a bid to collect more evidence. The reporter, who we are calling Riam, posed as a client suffering from infertility. Sheikh Ibrahim said he would say a prayer for her and prepared a bottle of healing water known as Mahaya for her to take home and drink. Rim says he then moved to sit extremely close to her and put his hand on her stomach. When she asked him to take his hand away, she says he simply moved it down her body, over her clothes, to her genitals. She ran from the room. I was really shaken by him, she told us afterwards. He had a worrying look about him. The BBC questioned Sheikh Ibrahim about what had happened to Ram. He denied that he sexually harassed or assaulted women seeking his help and abruptly ended that interview. Based near Khartoum, a female, one woman who is offering an alternative to those who like spiritual healing, without the risk of exploitation, is Sheikhar Fatima. 
based near Khartoum. She has opened a female-only healing center. For 30 years, this has been one of the few places where women can experience healing from other women. Many women told us that they believe the sheikh is extracting the devil by touching them. They thought it was part of the treatment, she says. It's shocking what you hear from these women. Political authorities were approached in Morocco and Sudan with the evidence. In Sudan, Dr. Ala Abu Zaid, head of the Family and Society Department at the Ministry of Islamic Affairs, was initially reluctant to believe that so many women had reported experiences of abuse to us. But he did admit that the lack of regulation in spiritual healing meant that it was causing chaos and that the role was being used as a profession for those who had no job. He told the BBC that he had explored its regulation in the past, but that the country's political instability meant it was not currently a priority. In Morocco, Minister of Islamic Affairs Ahmed Taufik said he did not believe there was a need for any separate legislation regarding spiritual healers. It is hard to intervene legally in these matters. The solution lies in religious education and preaching, he told us. Despite all the evidence we had gathered, Moroccan and Sudanese authorities are reluctant to take action. So the burden remains on women to speak up against those hiding behind a healing profession. What are your thoughts about this? Kindly leave your comments. Thank you. Evening Standard by Emily Penick. 22nd of August, 2023. Metropolitan Police under fire for protecting one of their own a serial rapist, XPC Jules. Adam Proven was found guilty of eight rapes against two women in 2005. Following the trial at the Green Crown Courts, London, Proven, 44 from Newmarket in Suffolk, was found guilty of a total of eight rapes against two women and jailed for 16 years. Sentencing him on Tuesday, Judge Noel Lucas Casey told Proven, I find it highly troubling that the female officers' colleagues in Metropolitan Police in 2004-2005 were more concerned about looking out for one of their own than in taking her seriously and investigating her complaints about you. Had they done so, it may be that Miss Taylor would have been spared the ordeal she had to go through. Speaking outside Scotland Yard, Assistant Commissioner Louisa Rolfe said, we heard in evidence when one victim, a serving metropolitan officer, reported allegations against Proven in 2005. These were not taken seriously. She therefore did not have the confidence to report she had been raped by him. We are sincerely sorry this was her experience and that she was let down by a system she trusted and was serving. Scotland Yard announced a review of Proven's full history while at the force and before he joined to see whether action should have been taken sooner. The force also said it was working to identify any more potential victims and encourage anyone with information to come forward. 
prosecutors had described Proven as a dark and hide character who was obsessed with young women, viewed teenage pornography, and had the details of 751 women on his phone. Two other women made allegations, but a rape case was not proceeded with, and a sexual assault case ended in acquittal. In 2016, Miss Taylor came forward to say Proven raped her on a blind date when she was a teenager in 2010. Instead, Proven, then 31, took her to Woods, where he had sex with her, even though she repeatedly told him no. Afterwards, he acted as if nothing had happened and took Miss Taylor to a McDonald's for a milkshake before forcing her to engage in a sex act in the children's playground. All the offenses were committed while Proven was a serving officer in the Metropolitan East Area Command Unit. His first trial for the double rape of Miss Taylor ended in a hung jury, but he was convicted in 2018 and jailed for nine years. The next year, he was dismissed from the Metropolitan Police. He served three years and three months in prison. Miss Taylor gave evidence for a third time and six more charges of rape relating to Proven's earlier attacks on the female officer were added. Following his conviction in June, Miss Taylor said, no amount of justice would make me forget the date from hell. Even though I tried my best to block it out, I will never forget how scared I was when the assault took place, and 13 years later, relieving my worst nightmare. The second victim who has not waived her lifelong right to anonymity told the court Proven regarded himself as untouchable and bragged about being a trained killer. She told the court she feared he would kill her. The judge also found Proven to be a dangerous offender and said he struggled to see why he should have the details of 751 females on his phone other than his fascination bordering on obsession with young women. Ms. Rolf said both women have been anonymously strong and courageous in giving evidence to the court. She also said, I'm so sorry for the pain and suffering he has caused you. We are examining province criminal and conduct history and the Met so we can fully understand whether we could have acted sooner to bring him before the courts or have stopped him joining the police. What are your thoughts on this story? Kindly leave your comments. Thank you. My London by Joe Coughlin, 18th of August, 2023. Croydon mom was stuck in flat where she and her children were abused by ex-partner as council fails to rehouse her. According to a recent report, Croydon council has been criticized by the local government and social care omnibus man for its failure to acknowledge claims a resident was at risk of domestic abuse in her home. 
the resident known as Miss X in the report was living in a one bedroom flat with her three young children, using her living room as another bedroom. She told Croydon Council in March 2022 that her medial condition was being made worse by her current property but received no response. Ms. X filed a formal complaint against the council in June 2022, asking to be moved as her ex-partner was domestically abusing her as he knew her address. She said her anxiety and physical health were being affected by the flat. The omnibusman said these urgent issues should have triggered the council to carry out its suitability assessments much earlier. The report said she had been a target of hate crime and antisocial behavior in the local area, including racist language being shouted at her and offensive graffiti painted on her fence. The property had various disrepair and health and safety issues, including intermittent lies and rodent infestations, broken bathroom tiles, which were falling on the children, a broken window and toilet and sink blockages. The council responded a month later, saying it needed more information about the antisocial behavior and advised her to contact the pest control team about the rodents. She was also told to contact the allocation team if her flat was no longer suitable for medical reasons, but did not refer to the domestic abuse she had mentioned. Despite reassurances from the council, the report said Ms. X had to clean the graffiti from her fence herself. The council also reportedly failed to send a repairs inspector. The authority said it had no record of Ms. X contacting the pest team and that she did not give further information about the antisocial behavior and racial abuse she was experiencing until February, 2023. The omnibusman said in their report, that the delay in carrying out an inspection of the property had cost Ms. X avoidable frustration and distress. Ms. X contacted the council again in July to say she felt unsafe due to the domestic abuse she was experiencing and was told to contact the authority's suitability officer. Omnibusman was reportedly told by the council that Ms. X said a domestic abuse organization was handling the issue. Croydon Council responded to the complaint at the end of November, 2022, saying hundreds of families have a higher priority than Ms. X on his housing register. The resident was also told a suitability assessment was being carried out on her flat. A domestic abuse risk assessment meeting held by local support services a few days later found that both Ms. X and her children were experiencing physical abuse from her ex-partner. Croydon Council's student services reportedly began inquiries into the risks to Ms. X's children at this time. The council then told Ms. X in March of this year that her accommodation had challenges but was not unsuitable. It is recommended that she continue to use the living room as an extra bedroom and said that the flat was not overcrowded as Miss X's children were under age 10. The authority said Miss X was responsible for repairing her falling bathroom tiles as they were minor repairs, but would send the damp and mold team to inspect the property. 
However, the Omnibusman said this was never arranged. The council also reportedly did not comment further on the racial abuse Ms. X had experienced, as no additional information was given that it was aware that domestic abuse support charity was handling the abuse she had experienced. What are your thoughts on this story? Do you think the council acted in a negligible way? Kindly leave your comments. This has been Grace Opper for Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza. Be safe and be positive. See you on our next show. Bye for now.